healthcare. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two-word review just said, shit sandwich. I will roll the record up to the next minute. That right there is a lot of Welcome back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glass of the Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, as usual. We're so happy to have you down here yet again. Got a fun little podcast for you this week as we sort of race towards our, our break. We're going to be taking a break in July uh, just to get some, uh, get a little breathing room, do a little retooling. Might come back a little different after that. Uh, but uh, there is no shortage of great fucking albums coming out in the next few weeks. And uh, what we're talking about today is one of them, Flasher, a DC band uh, from here, a trio from here. I've uh, been around a short time, made a, made a big splash. I've been around about two years and uh, playing places like Comet Ping Pong and stuff like that, if you're familiar with that in the DC area. And actually, if you're not, you know what Comet Ping Pong is, the place where all the like kids, slaves in the tunnel thing. Um, yeah, fuck those people. Jesus. Uh, who <laughs> Fuck those people who... Who made that shit up? Come on, if you've been to Comet, you know it is one of the best places on the planet, and it has pizza. It's it's just a great, great family family oriented place. Anyways, I digress. Um, these this trio of kids put out a great album, and so we got together and talked about it. myself, Drew, and Michael. And uh, you're gonna hear us talking. You're gonna hear us like, oh man, they're just being cranky old people talking about DC. And well, you know, we're, we're cranky old people. And um, and rather than uh, really just talk about the music, we like to talk about how the music like hits us, how we experience it, and give you a little view into that. So that's what we do. You can see the inner workings of my mind a little bit, and uh, and but at the end of the day, and this is a spoiler, uh, we love the fucking album. It's fucking rad. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna be doing that. And I'm gonna smooth things out with a uh, a little track from from the Midnight Hour gonna keep michael and uh, drew around that doesn't often happen but they were down here and they uh they had feels about it uh, but we'll tell you more about that on the flip side of this so if you guys are ready and uh you ready to hang out with us maybe drink a few beer we were drinking let's see what is this an austin east ciders uh ruby red grapefruit i think drew had the orange they're quite delicious uh you should check into them but uh if you're ready for all that come down and hang out with us and cats Sitting down in the basement, talk about the uh, new album from the new hotness in DC bands, Flasher. Start talking to Brooklyn. We can start talking. Is that a good place to start? We can start. Yeah, right here at home. No, we can start. Talking gentrification, we can talk. What does, it mean, what does it mean to be a quote unquote punk band? That's popular not, not, themes with punk artists, really, gentrification. Not really a punk. Never popular things with poor black punk artists. Though. Oddly enough, punk artists living in gentrified neighborhoods. Yes, something like that. Yes, live your experience. You know, that's you other. That's know. other. Uh, that seems like a concept album, or at least hmm. a song. That seems like a hold steady song, or a uh, PJ Harvey album. <laughs> 
to him. It was. <laughs> when, when you throw shade, sir, it's so... <laughs> Look it up. You, you and Chad Clark like have no, no quarter for that fucking album. But, <laughs> um, no, we should talk about Brooklyn because we're talking about Flasher. And they live, apparently, in Brooklyn. I found this out from an uh, uh, article in Stereo Gum that uh, Mauricio sent my way, um, talking about... Uh, they were living in a basement in, in in the hip neighborhood or whatever of of Brooklyn. And they're not actually in this particular basement, just for clarification. They, they are not in this particular basement. And and to start this off, we're, we're going to be doing, I think, in an episode or two, a conversation about hype. And this is a very hype band. Uh, we are in Brooklyn, all three of us right now. I am here, like, most of the time when I'm not at work. Uh, it's not a hip neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> it's basically million-dollar homes and mass gentrification. Um, and look, y'all gotta stop fucking trying to Brooklynize us. I know people say that about DC all the time. They wanted to be New York, but this was, I read this and I was just like, fuck. And even you drew, you were like, you pronounce it Brooklyn. <laughs> it's Brooklyn. <laughs> it's Brooklyn Jeez. where you live. And I've said that to people. I say, I live in Brooklyn. If I don't say it like that, if I say Brooklyn, they're like, you're Brooklyn. What are you doing all the way down here? And I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> so to just for the record listeners, uh, Brooklyn is not going to be. The new uh, Bronx is not going to be the new Dumbo. It's not going to be not going to be the new anything, unless you like make upwards of five six hundred thousand dollars a year. So, but that's cool that they're here because that means at some point they're going to swing by this basement from their basement. Talk about their new album, Constant Image. This band, uh, it's a trio made up of Taylor uh, Mullets on guitar. He is actually an ex priest guy, which we've talked about a few times. We have yes. opinions on them. It also helps run uh, Sister Polygon, which is the label that they were on. Uh, Daniel Saperstein on bass and Emma Baker on drums. And, and these three kids grew up here and then went off to school and then came back and said, hey, you know, we um, we love this town. Uh, there's a lot going on. And there is uh, a little differently than I think what people think is going on, which we're going to get into. Uh, but this new album all of a sudden started popping up on my radar a couple months ago. And then I started seeing like all these bigger journalists hearing it and people like punk going fuck yeah man and freaking out and saying that this is the future and then you see uh no that's that's Lindsay from sorry <laughs> you can't have that no um and then and then you see uh uh you know they they're getting written up in the Washington Times or Washington Post uh, they're getting written up everywhere huge reviews for their debut album on Domino which somebody yeah. corrected me earlier Domino is what a are they a subsidiary of Matador? It's the, it's the British imprint that I think carries the, the Matador bands in the UK. I don't know exactly what else, but there's probably a pretty high overlap with Matador's roster. Right, right. Feels like a major label to any band playing in a yes. basement in yeah. Brooklyn. Yes, yes, exactly. We're going to play a little bit of this music and then uh, get into it uh, with that voice you heard as Drew and Michael and hopefully the basement flood in the meantime. Another line, a phrase of flow. Go on, I speak with pressure. Take all of my mind another way. 
All right, pressure from uh, Flasher. This is... Um, uh, I was going to go into this saying... Like, so this is marketed as, as a huge DC band and stuff, and, and, uh, and I've been saying to people, like, I don't feel they have really fuck all to do with what DC what's going on in DC right now. Uh, and part of that is because, like, this is a band that's two years old, uh, and uh, they haven't played a lot of shows. They played a good number, but not enough that, like, you would see them on a label like Domino. And and to be frank, and this is I, – I love this album. I don't understand why this is good enough to get on a label when, like, so many other things aren't. But that's a question for later today. It's something we discussed, like, ad nauseum on this podcast. Um, but all that said, I do think they they actually do have a lot to do with what's going on in D.C. because – um, as we explore the scene here with our uh, Sounds of DC thing, you realize after being here, and Drew, you've been here forever playing in bands, and you've been here, Michael, there isn't so much a scene, I think, as a, a cohesive scene, as it, as much as it is a lot of people doing really cool shit. Mm-hmm. And it just never congeals. And it didn't even really congeal like when Fugazi was around. They were just the top and stuff. And so, any of those comparisons, I think Brendan Canty worked with them on uh, their first EP in 2016. Um, any, any, I think that's the tie to DC, but I don't think you can say things like people are saying they're post-punk, they're, they're punk something or whatever. This is like pop music, right? I mean, they're a DC band, so figuring out where in the post-Fugazi universe they fit right. is, is appropriate. Um you know they get a little mathy in spots, yeah. some angular, angular stuff, which is um, obvious evidence of of the you know the Discord Fugazi kind of angle, if you will. Sure. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I, I think there's so much going on here from an influence perspective that's beyond what people tend to think of as like an yeah, indie rock right. or post punk DC sound. Yeah. So I mean. I was a little mystified that this is being pitched as a DC punk record. I mean, the first question is like, how DC is this record? But to me, this doesn't sound like a punk album at all. And that's not that I don't like it. I think it's a really good power pop, new wave, you know, kind of punk pop record. But it's not really DC punk lineage. I think they're getting a little bit of journalistic laziness yeah. benefiting them because there's a there's a lineage with priests and there's some overlapping uh, production with Brendan Canty. So I think people are putting them in the DC punk lineage but the family tree might be there but the music to me this is much poppier than dc punk so records it, it reminds me a lot of the the stuff you would see on like 120 minutes back in the late 80s yeah it, well it, um, it, which wasn't you know to your, yeah there is some angularity uh like fugazi and stuff there but this is more the the uh stuff that if if it's sort of like hair metal if you saw the band it was this like really weird like gothic version of of whatever it was but then you hear it and it's sort of like this and it's not offensive it's not necessarily challenging it's like it's good time feel good music i, I saw a writer uh on twitter uh compare uh or said this had, had a, a strong go-go's influence and i think that's right not not go-go we should clarify no go-go's go-go's <laughs> right right yeah i mean to me like if we wanted to kind of categorize mathy angularism like this like that song pressure that we just listened mm-hmm. to is more devo-esque in how it approaches sort of, um, you know, angular changes. Just the feel of it to me kind of almost sounds right. like a Devo song from the late seventies. Is Devo considered punk? That it, it, new wave, p- I guess. Post punk, new wave. And, and there's some bits that reminded me of Wire and in this mm-hmm. record. And 
And maybe just because they put a, a song title called XYZ, I started thinking of 12XU by Wire. Right, right. And it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's jagged, but at the same time, it's also very catchy. Uh, so, I mean, when I think of, I, I think of a much more uh, sort of doctrinaire kind of punk, hardcore kind of image for DC punk, and this is not that at all. No, 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 it's not. But again, I think this might be, um, which ends up being in a lot of sort of lazy uh, leads. Mm-hmm. This may be, and 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 this is just my personal taste, could be the future of DC music. I mean, if if everything that's been going on underground because we all hear it has been leading to a product that's this polished, that's this focused. That is not. Um, it's not afraid to be a pop record. I don't think. And I, I haven't talked to them. I don't know what they think of their own art. So they could, you could. They could be sitting around going, "This is the most underground fucking thing ever," and it's it's not. It's like it hits with a forty five year old dude <laughs> who likes eighties pop music um, for precisely that reason because uh, it has hooks. It has. It's just solid playing. It has. There's something about the production. Uh, which this was done uh, at a studio called Rare Book Room in Brooklyn. Uh, a guy named Nicholas uh, Vernes, I think. I think it's just Vern's. Vern's, okay. Yeah. Uh, Animal Collective, Deer Hunter, and War on Drugs are some of his previous work. And and this, you know, it's got the sheen, man. It does. Uh, if you compare their their first EP, I think it was the yeah. just the Flasher EP, which which I think they recorded at uh, Brandon Canty's studio, maybe with his help. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was was more um, stark. Yes, everything was buried under kind of a lot of noisy guitars, and that's it, this album is completely the opposite of that. It, there's nothing buried. The songs kind of come through. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there's some noisy guitar in there, but it's it's controlled. I, I think you know I, I would love to 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 hear more if you have them down here yeah, about yeah. that process cuz it's decidedly not DIY which is kind yeah, of a big no, dc no. thing no. um they decided not to not to well, take and, that route and this is the date we're talking an awful lot about like motives we have no way of knowing what they actually are but this is a, a, also a, a huge problem when people especially in dc are talking about DIY and like it that ethos can mean many different things but it doesn't mean slack right it does it doesn't mean you you do it half-ass and i think Mm -hmm. that's what it gets a bad rep is doing that and there's a lot of people that don't understand that and will intentionally like nuke the sound of a project it has to sound diy like if your friend is a good engineer that's DIY. Mm. No, yeah. Don't mix <laughs> I mean, DIY with lo-fi. Like right, they, they right, oftentimes right, like yeah. they, you know, are the same thing, but the intention of DIY can be we want to make this the best sounding product that we possibly can. Yeah. Um, not we want this to sound like we recorded in a basement <laughs> DIY style. Yeah, yeah. Let's play it on the track and then uh, get back uh, I'm sure Michael, you have some thoughts on, on this whole whole thing. Gonna play a little of uh, Who's Got Time. Can you say it a different way? As it's all close to chance, you can't even. Pull a shadow from my 
All right, so so we're discussing off mic. So is this more influenced by Britpop, or is it more influenced by earlier English influences? Is the whole fake British accent here, which we are all sort of smiling at and we enjoy, ironically, I think. But I, it's like I enjoy it like s- not unironically, S- dude. Yeah, S- Sid yeah. Barrett or Soft Boys, like I want to destroy you. Or there's so much going on, and and so we're all we're all enjoying the fact that this record is very derivative of derived of things that we like. Yeah. So it's okay, and we're not we're not bashing it, but we really so there's the keyboards that appear in you know we played almost that entire song. It's mm-hmm. like two minutes and twenty seconds mm-hmm. long. So this record is so tight, fast it is, record. It is so. You know, it gets to the point of every song, it is over and done. Ten minute, uh, ten songs, 31 minutes, over and done. And everything is just crammed full of hooks and melodies and a lot of synthesizers that crop in to to the, the back end of these guitar songs. That that last song actually reminds me a lot of uh, Split Ends. Split Ends? I, I would totally Which say, Which is yeah. one of my favorite bands. I mean, yeah. and, and, and like I don't know what a bunch of kids have any business knowing who Split Ends are at this point. Never mind Crowded House. They, like, probably, they might know Crowded House, but they wouldn't know Split Ends. Yeah. So, so I was actually thinking, so there's something going on in the background of the song where the, the keyboard mm-hmm. comes in with these little, uh, these pieces toward the end of the, what's basically a guitar song. And I'm thinking a lot of Game Theory, because Game Theory was another right, guitar right, rock right. band that, that used keyboards. And people in the Game Theory Loud Family sort of uh, Facebook groups and email lists have been talking about this band a couple of years now. And I hadn't really listened uh, to the first EP, but I can totally hear some comparisons with Scott Miller game theory stuff because there's a lot of words crammed into very short songs, and there's never an opportunity missed to add a keyboard solo at the end. And it's funny because back in the day when that would happen, uh, my feeling was always that you had, um, if you had in a band, especially like a pop band, that uh, you, you had to give everybody a shot, right? You knew mm-hmm. your songs weren't, like, great. <laughs> and I'm talking about in the 80s. Um, you had, like, one or two fucking killer songs. Songs weren't great. So you have to get it off to sing as a band. So, of course, you get to a point you're like, keyboard solo! Um, and uh, there's a hilarious point in a Ryan Adams song where he sort of mocks that whole thing in Halloween Head. He just yells out guitar solo. <laughs> you know, all them kept it on the inside. But that's, you know, that... It's chugging along. It's it's fucking great, and all of a sudden, it's just a little little extra. You're like, yeah! There, yeah, there, there's a little extra, but it's not one of those sort of like, all right, every song, everybody in the band kind of gets their little moment right. to shine. It may it needs to make sense, mm-hmm. and, and you know, again, I'd love yeah, to kind of problem. find out about the production of this a bit, but like Nicholas Verns is known for kind of adding himself, mm-hmm. like a little. Keyboard yeah. flourish, obviously, as a lot of producers do. It's uh-huh. like we need a little something here. We don't have the musician in the band to do that, but if we just have a little keyboard part, it can kind of like glue the entire song together. Um, I'd also point out too the the vocal interplay mm-hmm. that goes on throughout mm-hmm. this album because you have essentially two lead vocalists right. and then a backing vocalist yeah. in in the in the drummer. Um, but it's so well done. It's very well composed right. and crafted. I mean, they obviously woodshedded the hell out of this well, how, album. Well, how, how does that... So, so and that's, that's not something you normally see. You Actually, you never see it in punk music. Punk is about the uh, just the pure expression, the rage often uh, of doing stuff. And, like, how do you... Th- for you, how does that work on your brain when you 
hear some like Wilson Phillips shit going on, <laughs> and, and it's like, and, uh, and you laugh, but but you know they. The three of them are so tight throughout this whole record of of just bringing up and down individual voices throughout the whole thing, and it it gives it a more um, a slightly more anonymous feel. Mm-hmm. And I th- and maybe um, that works for me. I mean, what so what does that do to your brain? I mean, it's 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 not as much about harmonies. I think there's some harmonies that are yeah, yeah. happening here, but it's mostly about this like dialogue that's happening mm-hmm. within the song. Between the voices, which are different, you know, you have this kind of British influence, kind of Sid Barrettish <laughs> type of vocal. Yeah. Uh, the other vocal, I don't know which of the the the, the members of the bands um, I'm referring to. There's the other vocal that's kind of this like gruff baritone vocal that kind of reminds me of right. Joe Strummer almost in some of these songs. Oh, yeah, um, I get that vibe on a, on a number of the tracks, but the way they make it work. You know, it's 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 a lot of like elements musically and vocally, I think, that that don't like on paper wouldn't necessarily seem like they would work, but they really make it work yeah. on this album, like in a big way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a I don't uh, I'm not sure what song we're going to. We're going to do one more <laughs> song. We're trying to decide because uh, like every, you know, there is if there is a ding on this for me is it it, it does sound a lot the same. There is. Uh, I refer to it as like a keyboard buzz a little bit ah. that you hear, and it's not like a guitar buzz that you hear, but it's just a. Um, I, I can't remember what the exact sound is, but when you hear it's it's sort of like white noise around the notes, and when you introduce it to something, it makes it it either makes it cool as fuck, or it destroys it. You're like that's everything. It's right there. On this, it makes it cool as fuck because it feels. Um, it feels like futuristic. Like we're looking at the album cover; it's all like neon and and everything. And and the album is about uh, they sing a lot about basically just being young, right? Uh, they're talking about like taking drugs at midnight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't it's... know if we were having this conversation, Drew, or me and somebody else about working like in the restaurant industry and how that is a very specific <laughs> lifestyle. Right? Yeah, I mean, they talk about how you know the the how it can be helpful to work jobs that don't require any creative thought Monotony, whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, That's what I do now. <laughs> yeah. And so these are, these are a couple of really, well, three really well-educated young people. Yeah. And they've got the advantages of, uh, you know, high class educations and everything like that. And they're, uh, you know, they've worked, I guess, low end restaurant jobs so they can make music, but, but they've got, you know some sophisticated world wordplay going on in this record they've got a lot of interesting lyrical imagery and they're plenty smart about talking about kind of dumb topics sometimes yeah. taking drugs after midnight you know there's a lot about um you know interpersonal disappointments and there's some stuff that's kind of political in a general sort of way you know there's right. stuff that's there's stuff that's expressing dissatisfaction about the world around them but it's not really a coherent political message in any sense of it no i I think it it lands on and you know it does um skew towards the like the the hyper personal a little bit yeah i think a lot of youthful dissatisfaction and and if you if you dig into that you don't if you're doing political music uh at all or putting politics everybody is political it's just a thing um, you're in DC too, so yeah, it's, you're in DC too. Uh, and but but like everything you do has an impact and can be considered political. Uh, but we often don't look at it at such a microcosmic level and, and zoom in that far. We take the 
fifty ten thousand foot view, and we don't look down. And that and and when you find observations from that point, though the zoomed in view, they can be pretty powerful, yeah. and it can like change your perception on something. You know, you could be thinking about it one way. And then you see how it affects just this one person, this very tiny thing, and then it unlocks a whole cascade of other like points associated to an issue. Yeah, so that's why I'm still a little puzzled when I'm, I've been reading these reviews from you know Pitchfork and Stereogum and people outlets outside of Washington, and they're talking about this as if it's a mostly political album, and I'm really un- unclear mm. what they're getting at. I mean that's a, I guess it's a potentially just the narrative that's been sold. I mean there's yeah, the I comet ping pong true. angle yes, and there's yeah. the we're in DC obviously so with That's journalistic laziness if nothing yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm going to get a pell cuz we say that a lot lately like well, ding. I, I, I'm just I'm just puzzled cuz I listen to this record I'm like okay I hear some things that where they're talking about their dissatisfaction with society and there's some of that is political. Okay, I get it and they live in Washington DC. We get that. But I don't look at this as a political record. I look at this as a young adult. You know, this is a this is a Scott Miller quote. This is a young adult hurt feeling a thon. It's yeah. like you know all of the dissatisfactions um, in your life. You know, and they're first world problems, right? You know, these are not yeah, life and death for, for most sure. of these folks. But I'm I'm still a little nonplussed when I'm reading about this as a DC political punk record, and none of those things sound accurate to me. Well, I, th- I think, uh, and we will explore this more on the on the hype podcast, but the hype episode. But I, I think, um, first of all, people have to write for a living. Like you, you get assigned this generally. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people requested to cover it, but but you get assigned to write about it, and you want to talk about it, and you get hyped up about it. And if if it's not generally like your favorite thing of all time, then then you reach. You have stuff in your your bag of tricks and you reach for stuff and you just got to get that word count in mm-hmm. and look that's i mean it's a sad state of journalism period like yeah, it just, if you get paid it, you're, I, you're doing you know, okay it's not even a sad state it's just what journalism is like there's no pure somebody like just blasting out some truth for like two thousand words about something that doesn't happen anymore um but uh but in this case uh I th- I sort of think what you're you're saying, Michael, uh, is is what I feel is like I take being from DC now, I take that personally. Mm-hmm. I don't want people to keep me- misrepresenting our city. Like if you're going to do something political here, like the hill is right up there, <laughs> so go do it, man. Um, I, I think I think America tends to confuse Washington yeah, with absolutely. DC. Yep, with a federal city. Yep. Uh, I want to play uh, Skim Milk. This was the uh, third single, I think, from this. And then uh, I'm start to sort of wind this down. But uh, the song slays. No blame, no praise. Half a mind, skim milk taste. Quarter to what's stained. Six in second place. Brand loyal, firm, and carmine. Oh, say, can you see? Wash your mouth out. Endlessly 
okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, that, that's some goddamn good rock and roll. That is something that we were talking about, Drew, earlier today. Uh, leading into this is that, uh, and and maybe I don't know if people are listening to this right now are going to cringe when I say this, uh, but I think more so than being influenced by, say, the DC punk scene, I think they sound to me influenced by uh, early Arcade Fire, huh. and this is like pre. Funeral stuff of the No Cars Go EP, or even if you saw them around then, and the, the way, you know, and, and Arcade Fire, regardless of what they are now, has always been informed by uh, a more punkier vibe. In the same way, LCD Sound System has been informed by that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, um, there's a high level of danceability on this album. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're at a show, uh, I think that's what's that's what's going on. People are just going to be pogoing like left and right, bouncing off the walls for this. Um, and it is it ends up that ends up being like catharsis. So, you know, even if you're talking about serious topics, there's a uh, the song uh, last song on the album, "Business Unusual." There's a line in there that says, "You know, what's the worst thing you you've ever done?" Which uh, you know, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't know that 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 didn't strike as particularly deep to me. But if I'm if I'm at a show, if I'm out like engaged with these people in a live setting, and that line comes across to me, and I've all of a sudden been doing this thing, like it it has an appeal in the aesthetic that they've put forth in much the same way that Arcade Fire does. Arcade Fire is artifice, uh, backed up used to be backed up in my mind by uh, an immense talent and history of music that they were pulling from. And and I think they're pulling kind of the same trick here. Yeah. I mean, they might be, it's hard to listen to this song and not imagine this live, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I I definitely plan on seeing this band live as soon as I can. But this song, like it's, it's got this just driving, catchy, anthemic feel to it. And you can easily imagine a large crowd and we can talk about what large crowd mm-hmm. is and you know yeah. um where this band might wind up going with it but uh um yeah i, I can't disagree with that i mean it just it, there's a dance punk element to what they're doing here mm-hmm. um i'm picking up so many different kind of derivatives yeah. that uh, it's hard for me to kind of pinpoint but uh it's funny now that i th- think about it there's a band that i just recommended to you 100 visions yes. uh, that we've had on this podcast that uh i will play this after uh, for your benefit, and um, they remind me a lot of them, uh, and they have the same, uh, for lack of a better term, like mojo. Mm-hmm. Like it, you believe them. This isn't a lie, right? This is honest, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's so much going on here. We're we're talking. We keep talking about their influences because we're enjoying the influences. But this is, I mean, the band has a lot of in, you know integrity to what they are doing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, this music is true to their lived experiences. And yes. I think that that's something you, you, you ask any artist to do, you know, say something that's true to your own lived experience. And if you're a 20 something year old from a educated background living in DC, that is probably a, your lived experience. If you're a certain demographic class. And so what I'm enjoying about this record is that they're, they're doing what they do with the very able assistance of their production team. Um, and it's sounding fresh and energetic and buzzy and vibrant, even while we're recognizing that they've got a lot of historical uh, antecedents that they're drawing from. Yeah. So it's true to what they're what they're doing, and and I think that that 
trueness shines through in the record. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You believe it, man. It, it's a lot of artists is just like, nah, you're lying about that. That's <laughs> not you. Yeah. I, I agree. I believe. I mean, it sounds like yeah. a fully realized product mm-hmm. that they have. You know, again, all these disparate kind of um, influences and things coming in. But it doesn't sound like a mishmash of all of those things. It right. sounds like a cohesive, you know, piece of work that they've put forth. And and it sounds like I can't put my finger on it, but it sounds new. It does sound new. That's Fresh. that that's and and that is what I hope the legacy if if you're gonna and you're not here, if you're gonna write about DC music or anything, like write about that. Um there's a lot of parts of this record, like if you strip away, say, the keyboards, uh this is you throw a, throw a stick and you'll hit like 500 bands that sound exactly yeah, like it'd this. Yeah, it'd be much less interesting and, without the I mean, keyboard. they're probably going to have to get a keyboard player. They're probably going to have to get a keyboard. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, in fact, they sound a lot like Priest, who we've said Priest, uh, I consider them a pop band, uh, more so than a punk band, and I think they know it. It's pre-packaged pop. It's what, it's what a uh, millennial, not the individual, but like the millennial, like, scope or idea of pop is, and it's ready, it's ready to go on the Pitchfork stage, man. It's like everything, and Priest is a band that, uh, I mean, I've tried, I, as individuals, I don't know them, but I see what they do, and I do believe them, when they come together to make music, I don't believe it. Mm. Like, I'm just like, no, this is, this is, this is art, this is artifice, and you're good at it, but that doesn't, like, it doesn't ever connect uh, with me, but this, uh, weirdly, is, uh, is connecting, and it's just like, hey, here's a little part of a universe and you know as an older dude it's like mm-hmm. yeah i remember being a kid like that yeah i mean priests connected with me um i guess obviously more than than they did with you yeah, yeah. um that it was uh, uh it was it was interesting and it had surprises um and 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 i really enjoyed it but i think uh you know what what flasher has going on here is something entirely different i mean yes. you wouldn't even they're, you know they're very different. Yeah. Um, this this does not sound like a priest's offshoot by any measure. No, no, no. So, so what's the future here? What does the future hold for Flasher? Besides, but the best new music on Pitchfork, and and hopefully getting a touring keyboardist. Yeah. Put a touring keyboardist in there. Um, you know, they're obviously just getting started. Uh, yeah. But there's there's three very creative people in this band. You know, how long can they continue to sort of work together collaboratively before they decide that they need to go off and, and explore new things. Right. I don't know. Um, you know, it's the tradition in DC of like everybody plays in everybody else's band. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, and there's, there's, there's more history here with flasher with like big hush and sad bones and yep. other band, you know, there's a lineage here too. Um, I hope that they keep this up. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, and I hope that there's a lot more, you know, coming beyond this album, but, but I can, I can be certainly happy with this album yeah. this year. Yeah. So, so so they're at the Black Cat on June 23rd. Okay, cool. The backstage, mind you, not the yeah. main stage. Okay, right. that's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. I'm wondering at some point they may wish to elevate they, they them to the, larger, to the larger stage. So, I mean, this is, this is super fun music. I mean, I don't know how substantively innovative this is, but it's super fun, and it's it gives them a lot of area to grow, and I, I think that they're really well situated to do something that DC hasn't had for a while, which is like a really good pop fun export export as opposed to like a, another, another punk band, another go-go band, another sort of indie indie band. 
Yeah. These guys are sort of in a different world where I could imagine them crossing over to larger audiences. And, and I, I want to say to, to we know a bunch of people who run venues around here, some of them listen to this. Book these guys a lot. If stop, they're willing. Stop, if they're willing. If they're willing. Well, bands, stop this bullshit where you can only play once every three months in your hometown. Like, all bands. You have to... It, there, this it's why there's not a DC scene. It's like you can't go see a band once or twice a week. Like it's better for you as a band because you have to you have to gig you have to you have to woodshed like you said you have yeah. to pl- you have to be a fucking band. But but really it's on the it, that that is exists here because venues you just gotta book these people book them as an opening band book yeah. them as like an off night do get them in there and people will people will come out to this and draw if they. They have a weekly gig here, even if it's for a month. Say they come back because they're starting a tour. They come back to a big residency, and even like DC Nine, they'll sell out every show. Oh yeah, and uh, and people will talk about it for years to come. And and I think that that would also help them probably as a band in their development. Yep, avoid the the risk of of leapfrogging to national attention on yep. the backs of their their bands' lineages and their overlapping memberships. Because I think they do need like all young bands, they need to. To build their stage show, and they need to build an audience a little more organically. Because I think yeah, the buzz you, can if, be dangerous if you can't, for a young If you band. can't sell out Rock and Roll Hotel, you have no business playing a festival. <laughs> Period. But uh, that's um, that's where I'm at. Uh, you look like you had something to say, Drew, or not? You good? I love this album. <laughs> Go listen to <laughs> it. <good>. Yeah, <laughs> nice. it, it, it's, it's super fun, and... Uh, and we all f- have found a lot of things we like in this in this yeah. album. Yeah. And so they're sh- they're touring. They're going to be hopefully touring aggressively because I think they do need to to get their live show uh, up to the speed of this record. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, most definitely. I, I need to see the live show to, before I can fully endorse, fully sign out. Yeah, uh, yeah, their, yeah. their live show may be totally killer. <laughs> um, it, it it definitely would be if they had a if they had a keyboard player. <laughs> <laughs> Just start saying that about every band. You can just this, a, this will be just be killer. We, we if can just put a Craigslist ad up right now. <laughs> Need keyboardist. Flasher, <laughs> great album. Get a keyboard player for the road. Yes. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna be back in a few minutes. You guys are gonna stick around because I'm gonna play a track for you that I guarantee you haven't heard, and it is kind of wild, and it's a complete shift of gear. So hang on tight. Uh, Flasher's available everywhere you can buy fine records. Go out and get that fucking thing right now. Go see them if they're coming to your town. I know they have a pretty big tour. I forget who they're opening for, but it's it's a decently sized band. Uh, and uh, and then they're hopefully, like we said, play a bunch of fucking shows here. Uh, I I famously do not go out to Comic Ping Pong because it's a fuck long ways away from here. It's forty minutes from Brooklyn, and, and, the, the, shows show, and the, show, <laughs> the shows are late. And the shows are late. Uh, but I actually had a conversation with somebody the other night who convinced me, like, maybe uh, I should rethink that. And if they're playing there, I will go see them at Comic Ping Pong, and so should you. Uh, before we get out of here, though, uh, so now Mr. Uh, Mr. Marcus Moore slid this my way. He just had, did a, a a pretty pretty righteous review up on Bandcamp, where he is the editor there. Uh, a group called The Midnight Hour. It's made of Ali Shahid Muhammad. He's from A Tribe Called Quest. And Adrian Yunj. Uh, and these guys are uh, 
obviously the first is one of the most respected people in hip hop. Uh, Adrian is one of the most respected producers. They've been collaborating on some stuff, and they actually did the soundtrack together for Marvel's Luke Cage. Uh, if you wonder why that soundtrack was so fucking awesome, uh, because that is why Adrian is has a series of albums out that are just it's like a throwback, um, throwback sort of lounge soul, sort of sexy soul. Uh, the Numero Group just did a weird thing of of like Rum Dreams or something. I forget the name of the album, but it's. It's it's a uh, you know it's the Austin Powers vibes like yeah baby like that shit and uh and and he makes these albums that float in that space in black exploitation but uh, in doing that he knows everybody so he made this album it's a, it's sort of a um, I don't even know how to put it I famously said I do not like vibes this album this whole album is a vibe it's just a vibe. And it's stuff that shouldn't happen. So, for example, the track we're going to play has Luther Vandross on it. That probably shouldn't happen because <laughs> he's dead. So, but <laughs> but uh, it also has people uh, like Raphael Sadiq has uh, CeeLo Green on it. Uh, and that track, Questions, was uh, originally in an instrumental form on Kendrick Lamar's Untitled and Released. Uh, and and people like Bilal, it's 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 just a cool fucking jazz like soul odyssey and and i don't even know what to do with it except like put it in my head and put it on and and like hope that everybody's feeling as groovy as i am so i'm gonna play one of my favorite tracks on this and it's because it's vandross uh but here's a little bit of so amazing
guys feeling right now is that what they used to call baby making music i think they still do call it baby making music that is i'm I'm done with that stage of my life let me know that it's not it's it's not quiet storm but it is like the lights are down maybe there's stockings over a lamp somewhere (laughs) hopefully it's not the leg lamp from a christmas story (laughs) (laughs) i mean or maybe dude if that's your thing i don't know it like it's it sets a mood right Drew, you look like I'm you're vibed you, you, look, you look like you're I don't even know now. if I can drive like, home. Huh? I don't know if I can drive home after. <laughs> no, what are you, what are you like, thinking of that? Uh, it's vibed. I yeah. mean, yeah. It's so <laughs> smooth. It's yeah. Is that your that's not your usual jam? No. No. Uh, no. Um, but yeah, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to uh, uh, this album. It's yeah. going on the list. It should go on the list. It's it's a uh, I think it's and it's even like even the, the pack it it's like a double vinyl which is like sexy as fuck it's just like yeah yeah and the, and the album art is just so classy these people in these immaculate yeah. suits and instruments and it's got that very um it's a i mean this is a vandross vibe so it's that the early 70s yep. kind of sheen to everything yep and it, and it, it's uh i think what they're doing is akin to like the work that like robert glasper does uh you know and it's gonna have a little bit more of a hit and appeal because what Glasper is doing, he has a project coming out that we're going to be talking about. Um, it's a little what Rikuder does. Mm. It's being reverent of the material, but bringing it, trying to find a way to bring it to a new audience. And mm-hmm. stuff. With jazz, that's actually really hard. You know, you can bring it to jazz heads, and people are like, "Fuck yeah!" But like, try to get that in front of a pop audience. I mean, we'll see. They're playing the jazz festival at uh, the Anthem, a six thousand seat venue this Saturday. Okay. Mm-hmm. But these guys are are tapping into stuff like. You know, using people like CeeLo, using people like Vandross, um, and and are tapping into the more pop side of of soul and right. stuff that white people who aren't normally deep into the soul like they are uh, think of that and and presenting just a, a story. This is, I mean, 
we aren't we're just playing a track this isn't really a review but this is one of my favorite albums of the year and it's not i don't even know what to it, it's like it's almost like it's a compilation like what what the fuck is it uh but it's cool it's cool it's cool that's man. that's what it is and i think that's why they put it out but uh, that's it. Uh, we are out of here. Thank you, Jennifer, for hanging out. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Mixcloud, Stitcher. Listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to the album we just talked about on Spotify. Then listen to us on Spotify. Uh, also go to the site at www.chunkyglasses.com. You can see the live work of Matt Condon, Mauricio Castro, and Avery Junius there. They're killing it. You know, I went to a Monday show. The review's going up uh, either tomorrow when this airs or Friday. I went to a Monday show to see Ry Cooter, which was, look, man, this is like, this is the end of my bucket list until somebody said, have you seen Bill Frizzell? I'm like, you motherfucker, I had it. But uh, at any rate, I went to a Monday show and it has ruined my goddamn week because <laughs> I just, I, I don't know what time it is, but these three guys are out there every damn night. They're out there right now, like shooting shit. I, I, I honestly don't know how, how they do it, but, but they do. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's it. That's Train it. plays a hell of a Led Zeppelin cover. So, <laughs> oh, no, everybody troll Matt on Twitter about that. <laughs> We're gonna be back in, in a few short. <laughs> we'll be back in a few short days. Uh, until then, be good to your ears, be better to your people. Talk to you soon. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> Kenobi!